0: You can take your Bibles out, and uh, we're going to look at a few scriptures together today. I'm so glad you're here. It's a good day, isn't it? It's a good day to be together in the house of the Lord. It's good to be reminded of moms and their influence in our life. It's beautiful to hear our kids sing, and and Claire, thank you for writing that song. And There's a place for sermon notes on the back of your bulletin. I'm not sure if you're going to want to write anything down or not, but maybe just to write down the... The scriptures that we share, but that's available for you. I'm going to talk about moms today, so I'm going to get a Kleenex out. I forgot this last night, so I'm going to make sure it's just nearby, just in case. But I am, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the moms in my life. I'm grateful for my grandma, Meryl, and my grandma, Mead, who I love very much, who influenced me in very different ways, but just were such a a powerful force in my life. I'm grateful for my mom, who I'll talk about in just a moment and share with you the greatest lesson she ever taught me. I'm grateful for my sister, Jody, who is not only a mom to many, but she's made her life call to serve moms in our community. I'm very grateful for Leslie, who is the best mom of boys that I can imagine. Our, boy, our boys are lucky to have her, and I think God has a sense of humor to give the most girly girl all boys, and um, can't imagine a better mom. I am so blessed. I even have a great mother-in-law. And I know a lot of guys can't say that, but we're going to go up a little later and and spend time with them in Kenosha. But I have a phenomenal mother-in-law. And as Claire mentioned, we have phenomenal women in our church that are tremendous influences in so many lives here. And so today, I I really do mean it when I say I am grateful. I'm grateful. And on the day that we set aside to honor mom's influence, we're going to talk about my mom. A few weeks back, I was walking our neighborhood on a Saturday morning, and uh, there was an estate sale at one of the homes that I've always admired, a, an older home that when I walked by, I always, I wonder what's inside of that home. And this Saturday, there was a for sale sign out front and a sale sign out front. And I thought, well, this is my, my opportunity to see the inside of this home. So I walked into this beautiful old home. I, I headed down into the basement first and looked around there. All the stuff scattered out there for sale. I walked the main floor, walked the upstairs of this beautiful home. And all of a sudden, an incredible sadness came on me. As I looked around, and I looked at all the stuff that was for sale, some for a quarter, some for a dollar, and I thought, the family's already gone through this place. The friends have already visited. Everything that was wanted is probably gone, and these are all the leftovers. These are the things that nobody wanted, including this home. I thought, what what an ending to life. That someday all our stuff will be placed out in the open for any stranger to walk through our home and buy something for a quarter or for a dollar. And I began to ask the question, what does it really matter? What do our lives really matter? The wisest man ever to live, Solomon, wrote a book at the end of his life called Ecclesiastes. And this is how he ends the book. He says, Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain for all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. What does it matter? Well, the smartest person in the world said, it's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. I think Solomon was having a bad day, don't you? <laughs> but we feel that way, don't we? I mean, when you walk through that estate sale, when you come to the end, I, what, is it, what does it really matter? But I think the better question is, does our influence really matter? Does that matter? Matter. And today I want to talk about my mom who passed away last year. And it's taken me a while to share about this because the months leading up to her passing and even months after her passing, I was extremely emotional. And thank you for allowing me to be emotional during that time. And I always joked if anybody ever came to our church in those months, they probably think, what is this guy's problem? Because I, w- I couldn't even get up to pray without crying. It was just one of those times in my life. A lot of tears, a lot of emotions, but I think enough time has passed where I can share with you today about my mom. And our scripture for today is Proverbs. This is also written by Solomon, probably on a little better day. And Solomon writes in Proverbs eight at the beginning of the book, Listen, my son to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. We don't just teach with our words. We teach with our lives. We teach with who we are. And I wanna talk about my mom today. I don't wanna take this time to make my mom a saint. St. Geraldine, I don't want to air our dirty laundry, I just want to say that I was blessed to have the mom that I had. I want to share what I've learned from her, and I know that many of you here knew my mom, and you could come up and share the lessons that she taught you, but today's my day, and so let me share from my heart. I grew up in a home from very young on, and I never had a time in my life where I didn't feel safe or loved or accepted. I just never had that moment, even as a young child. I just always felt safe and loved and accepted. And I know that, that some of you are like, well, good for you, because that is not my childhood. And I understand that I am blessed. That's how I've always felt. And my mom, she could be very strict. And she was definitely overprotective, especially for a young boy. And we would fight a lot. And I would push her away. Especially in those teenage years when you're striving for independence. And I would ignore her. And what's funny is, Even during those moments, I never questioned her love for me. Even into adulthood, I've never questioned that. And even as a pastor, and when she would sit right behind me, and I'd come down after preaching a sermon and sit down, I don't know if there was a Sunday that went by that when I sat down, she wouldn't whisper or maybe put her hand on my shoulder and say, that was great. I'm so proud of you you don't know how proud of you I am. She would every time, it didn't matter what the sermon was, that was what she would do. And I don't think we really understand how much our parents love us or are proud of us until maybe we have kids of our own but I don't even know if we even know then. I'll never forget when we brought Luke to church for the first time. Luke was born and he was in the hospital for quite some time and he was healed and got out of the hospital, and and uh, had to stay home for a little while. So it was several months after he was born, and and we brought him to church. And all you young parents, you know the day with that shiny new car seat. You know, no Cheerios, no throw up yet, or anything. It's just like a brand new shiny car seat, bringing him in. And here's the prince. You know, like I feel like Lion King Simba. You know, here, you know, just bringing him in, and everybody's ooing and awing over Luke, and. You know, I'm busting the buttons. I'm so proud. And this is my son. And, and uh, I remember going in the kitchen and putting him on the counter and everybody crowds around like, oh, he's so cute. And My mom and I were on the side and she just saw how much I loved him, how proud of him I was. And she whispered to me and she says, do you realize I love you that much? And for the first time in my life, I really realized my mom loved me. I always felt safe. I always felt loved. I always felt accepted. But for the first time, I started to understand love. And that's the greatest lesson I learned from my mom, was love. Now my mom didn't love perfectly, but God does. And he tells us about love in his word. And so if you could turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, God describes his love, his perfect love in this passage of scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning at verse 4, here is what love is. Love is patient, it's kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. If you look at that passage of scripture and you keep your Bibles open, and maybe when you go home today, this is a great passage to get your highlighter out or to underline and begin to look at the words here because God is teaching us about perfect love. Now, none of us can love perfectly, but He teaches us about what real love is, not conditional love but unconditional love. And he teaches us that love always builds up. It never tears down. True love, unstoppable love, God's love, unconditional love, it's patient, it's kind. It is protecting. It is trusting. It hopes, it perseveres. It never fails. It always builds up. True love always builds us up. It never tears us down. It's not envious or boastful or prideful. It doesn't dishonor, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong. It doesn't tear down, it builds up. And my mom taught me about love. Now, she wasn't perfect at this because if you knew my mom well, and some of you may know her better than others, she had a very quick sense of humor that could take you down a notch pretty fast. She had a look or the role of the eyes that didn't always build up. She could step in when she would see my pride rising to the top and I'll never forget when Leslie said she'd go out on a date with me. To say I was excited, it's an understatement because I adored Leslie from the moment I met her. Okay. It's true. I, I mean, when she said, yet, yeah, I was planning our wedding on the first date. I mean, she just, I was just like, this is the perfect woman. And so I just, and, and then time goes by. But um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's perfect for me. She is. And so... Um, that first date, like I said, I was excited about this first date. And I was just talking about what we were going to do. And I was, I was planning our future dates. I was planning our life together. I was doing all this. And my mom stops me and she says, Daryl, she probably just feels sorry for you. <laughs> and then she says, I wouldn't get my hopes up. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> and even in the midst of that, I still felt loved. I felt safe. Because I knew my mom loved me. And, and what I learned about love from my mom, but I want to take it a step further. I learned about unconditional love from my mom. And again, I don't think... We know that our parents love us until maybe later in life, and I don't think we really know our parents until later in life. And as I grew into adulthood, our love grew, and I learned more about who she was as a woman. We go to Kansas City every year in June for a pastor's uh, conference, and uh, my dad and mom and I would go together. We would ride together down there, and and attend the conference, and then, then ride back together. That was a tradition. And every year, my mom would say, um, man, I, I'd really like to go to this small town in Kansas. It's, it's about two hours away. I'd really like to go visit this town. And she kept telling me that kind of every year. And my dad, and and you only have so much free time at the conference, and I was usually meeting with someone, or had to speak and get ready, or, or just, you know, there were so many excuses why not to go. And then one year, it was just... Uh, Uh, time was available and so he said mom let's do it this year let's go down to this small town it was a town in Kansas that was a place that my grandpa was pastor for the very first time as a pastor come home from World War II became a Christian became a pastor and this was his first church in this very small town in Kansas and so we were driving in the car and what was amazing about this particular trip both there and home my mom talked the entire time. Now if you know my mom, that's actually quite surprising because she wasn't the talker in the family. And when you have my dad and me in the same car, chances are you're not gonna have a chance to say anything because we will fill that space. But my mom that day began to share. We went to this small town and we saw the home where she lived, we saw the building, that was the church at the time, and, and we talked. And for several hours driving, she told us stories of her growing up. She told us of various towns and schools and churches where her father was the pastor. And the more I talked, the more I realized that my mom grew up in a world where she didn't fit in that she always felt like she was on the outside looking in. And she always was scared. That she was from this family who didn't have a lot of money. And so she couldn't have the same clothes and the same hairstyles that everybody else had at the time. And so she was a little bit different. And if you know anything about small towns, a new family moving into a small town can be a bit disruptive. You're the new people. And beyond that, her dad's the pastor, so she's the preacher kid. And back then, when you were a Pentecostal pastor, you were kind of the weirdo in the town. And so She always felt like she didn't fit in. And I realized in that drive that that became the driving force for her life. That the pain of not fitting in would become her gift. That she would channel that instead of getting angry and getting bitter, it made her better. That when she was a mom, when my kids come home, they're gonna be loved, they're gonna be safe. Home is a place for them. And so she made that a home as a mom, as a nurse. She's a nurse for many years, she lovingly cared for some of even the most difficult patients she could do that because she wanted to show love. She was a Sunday school teacher from her early teens until she couldn't do it anymore. I was even in her Sunday school class. I remember her and Harry Ellis taking us downstairs and teaching us at the First Church in Des So my mom loved teaching Sunday school, and I know many of you or many of your children had my mom as a Sunday school teacher. She was always careful to make her room a safe and beautiful place, a fun place to learn about Jesus. And that whether it's children from our congregational families or children that would come from the neighborhood, she wanted every child that walked through her door to know that they were loved. They were loved. For many years, uh, she would send out birthday cards to everyone in the church. She'd come to the office, and she said, like, every name and every address of people that are having birthdays this much, a month, and it was interesting because she would always ask the same question every single month. She goes, is this all of them? Is this all of them? Like, well, well Mom, if we, we have them and it's on our database, this is all of them. And, and I never understood why she, because it got a little annoying. Is this all of them? Is this all of them? She didn't want anyone to be left out. She wanted to make sure everyone knew that they were thought of, that they were loved. She wanted to be a champion for others. And on her watch, there would be no more outsiders. No one left unloved. No one scared. There's a passage of scripture, it won't be on the screen, but it's when Paul is begging God, Take away this thorn. I, I, I don't want this pain in my life anymore. And God says, no. And he says, my power. God says, my power works best in weakness. And where my mom was weak early in her life, God's power worked through that. And I learned about unconditional love for my mom. Growing up as a young boy, my mom uh, worked outside of the home. She was a nurse, and and so for many years, she worked at a hospital in Chicago, Swedish Covenant Hospital on Foster, and when we lived in the city, that's where she worked. And then when we moved to the suburbs, she began working in private uh, care in some of the most exclusive uh, areas of the North Shore, and she had many different people that she watched over. But I want to tell you about one particular nursing assignment that she had That I believe best defines her as a person. It was the late 1980s and um, she began taking care of a man dying of AIDS. It was a much different time back then. It was a new disease and not a lot was known about it and there were a lot of uh, people very scared at that time. There were a lot of unanswered questions and and before we knew all the answers, my mom took this job, watching and caring for this man dying of this new deadly disease. And I remember thinking to myself, I never asked my mom this, it's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you watching this guy? I never asked her, but I always wondered. When her patient finally died and died it was time for the funeral. My mom asked me to drive her to the funeral. My mom never learned how to drive. We lived in the city. You didn't need to drive in the city. And she just never learned. And we moved out here. And so we, you know, I said, okay, I'll drive you. My dad must have been busy or out of town or something. I said, I'll drive you to the funeral. It was a a simple service in a modest church. There were very few people at this service. And it came to the end of the service, and um, as customary, we walked outside, and we lined the steps of this small church, and the pallbearers brought out the, the body to the hearse, and as they're we standing on the steps, again, this was a very different time, a lot of misunderstandings on different things, and there were protesters outside this funeral. And they were screaming some of the most hateful, ugly things I've ever heard to this day. And I remember my mom standing there on the steps, just unfazed, dignified. I standing right next to her, just, just stoic in the moment as the body was brought out and placed into the hearse. And it's in at that moment that I began to realize why my mom did what she did. She couldn't have been more different than that man. But yet their lives came together in the story. And she didn't want anyone to feel left out. Anyone to feel unloved. Anyone on the outside looking in. And as I watched my mom stand there, I realize she may be one of the most Christ-like people I've ever met. Because here's the truth. If we can love long enough, if we can serve long enough, if if, if, if we can have grace long enough, it may hold the door open long enough for God to walk through. If we can love unconditionally, to the best of our, if we can hold that door open as long as possible, God may be able to enter in. And that was my mom. I learned about love from my mom. And it was a lifelong journey. It it took a long time to discover who she was. She wasn't perfect, but she was great. She was an example of grace. She was an example of someone who loved other people, gave herself, made herself available, who loved God, loved others well. She was faithful at home. She was faithful at work. She was faithful at church. She was faithful in her world. And now for you and me, what do we take away from this? How do we live our lives? Because we're not Mrs. Merrill. But can I give you the lesson I learned Love unconditionally. Love unconditionally. It's our turn to love like God loves. His steadfast love never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. No matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter what your context is, love people. Don't be bitter as Don Piper shook his fist at heaven. God, why? Why did this happen to me as a young child? But she instead, she it was better. Not bitter, better. How can I make sure everyone around me feels loved and safe and accepted? 1 Corinthians 5.11, maybe this can be our verse for our lives. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. That's what love is. It's encouraging one another, building each other. That's what love does. It builds up. It never tears down. So back to the very beginning where I started. Do our lives really matter? Or is it all meaningless? Well, Solomon talks for about 12 chapters, and then he comes to the end, And he says this. Now that it all has been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Fear God. Love God. Worship God. Keep his commandments. I love, and it's not on the screen, but if you want to look up a passage of scripture, it's actually in 2 John, and it's verse 6. I love this. It says, and his commandment is... To walk in love. To walk in love. What's the commandment of Jesus? To walk in love. When it's all said and done, fear God. Obey His commands. Walk in love. This past week, we had the privilege of attending the funeral of Dr. Bob Cornwall. It was an honor as Pastor Harry led us there, and Leslie and I were able to go, and it was, a, it was a powerful memory time. I think about um, Dr. Bob and how he had been part of our church since the 1980s and had influenced so many different lives in our church and how he had impacted lives all over the world. And so we were celebrating his life and I love Dr. Bob. I, I called him often and we We wrote to each other, and in in his last card, he sent this, and I'll put it on the screen. This is from Dr. Bob. He said, life is short, have a good shot at it. Life is short, have a good shot at it. You know what was interesting about Dr. Bob's funeral and my mom's funeral? They were packed out. They were packed out. And they were packed out because they were people who influenced other people who loved other people, who had relationships with other people. See, that's what it all all boils down to. Pastor Harry noticed in the the slideshow of, of Dr. Bob Cornwall's life, there weren't pictures of vacations and things he had done and hobbies that he did. Every picture was a picture of him with someone else because he was a man of relationships. That whatever you would give him, he'd take. If it was you'll listen to him preach, he'll preach. If you'll have a cup of coffee with him, he'll have a cup of coffee with you. If it was in a prison or in a hospital, wherever he could have that relationship with you, he would take that opportunity. And I think about my mom. All the relationships with all the children. She never stood behind this pulpit. She never wanted to preach. And yet she influenced so many other lives. And even with the teenage son who was always trying to pick fights and ignore her, she said, whatever you give me, son, I'll take. She wanted that relationship. And I believe that's the biggest picture of God, right? He just wants that relationship. He just wants to know us and to be with us. If you don't know where to start with the relationship with God or with this message, how do I how do I apply this to my life? Start with love. Start with love. Start with building up. In the final days uh, with my mom, I just, I, there was so much I wanted to say. So much I wanted to talk about. But there came a time where she didn't even know She didn't know who I was. Some of those times we were at church, and it was hard. To, it was hard to get up and preach because she'd ask who I was before I came up. I wanted to spend time with her but I didn't know if it really mattered so I'm thankful for a group of guys in my life that pushed me to spend time with her I'm thankful for Jim thankful for Kelly thankful for Mark who said just go what would we talk about? Who cares? What would I do? Who cares? Don't go with an agenda. Don't go. Just go. Just be with her. So I would bring my Bible. I'd tell the office, I won't be in this morning. I'll just take my Bible. I'll work on my message. I'll do something. I'll read. We'll listen to music. And so we we would talk at times and sometimes I'd just sit there. Sometimes I'd just listen. It just, just, Different things on on different days. And here's what happened. I had no idea this would happen because there was no agenda. Just sitting there. It's during those days that everything began to melt away. Every conversation I wanted to have, every word I wanted to share, it just, everything melted away. And all I can say is the only thing that was left was love. I loved my mom more in those moments of quiet just sitting there than I had ever loved her in my life. It's like all the garbage, anything, it was all gone. And only love remained. And I think that's what heaven is. I think it's, it's all love. It's, it's God. It's love. It's like everything else just begins to disappear. And all that remains is is love. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, at the end of the chapter, describing love in verse 13, and now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. The only things that will last forever are faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And why not now begin that journey of love? Why wait till heaven? Why not now begin to let the other things melt away as we begin to show unconditional love. love. I'm going to pray with us in a moment, but I want to make sure that everybody is ready. My dad, earlier this week, went to the hospital. There's uh, someone that's dying, and a family asks, can you go and, and pray with dad be, before he goes, and my dad said, sure. And so my dad went to the hospital and they shared about Jesus. They prayed together. And as my dad was leaving the room, the man grabbed my dad's hand, this old man grabbed my dad's hand and said, I'm ready. I'm ready. I want to make sure we're ready. My mom is not in heaven because she was a good person. She's in heaven because she had a relationship with Jesus. I wear this suit on Easter and Mother's Day. So you get a few suits a year. But It's actually just one suit. But I wear this suit on Easter and Mother's Day, and the reason I wear it is because this is the suit I wore at her funeral. And it's to remind me, especially on Easter, it's not over. I didn't say goodbye. It's just a temporary separation. It's actually just the beginning. And so I wear it to remind me, I'll see Mom again. And there will be nothing but love. And today is the day of salvation. Today, my mom and Dr. Bob are having a good time in heaven together. And they're waiting for you.
1: And I'll be waiting
0: for you. And that's my only hope as a pastor is to see you there. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and your hearts with me today. Thank you for letting me talk a little bit longer today. But I want to pray with you. I don't want to be in a hurry right now. I just want to make sure we're ready. I want to make sure that we're going to leave this place with our marching orders of love, but it begins by knowing Jesus. If you want to know Jesus, you want to know His love, you want to know His forgiveness, I'm going to tell you that grace and love are keeping the door open to allow God to come to you this morning, and would you invite Him in? The door is open, would you invite Him in? And if you're ready to make that commitment to say, Yes, I believe. Yes, I want to be ready. Would you repeat this prayer after me today? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, you believe it in your heart, you will be saved. Today could be the day. So say these words out loud with me together Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you this morning. God, I thank you for my mom. I thank you for the legacy. I thank you uh, for the gift that she was. And I thank you for the lesson that she taught me. But Lord, it's really your lesson because it's who you are. It is love. And so, God, I pray today that we would be people of love, that we would be people of unconditional love. Just as your love never runs out, God, give us the grace. Holy Spirit, come, give us the power to love like you loved. To build up and never tear down. May it begin in our homes. May it continue to our church. May it go out to our world, God. May we walk in love. That is the commandment. To walk in love. And so may we be ambassadors, just as Mrs. Merrill was. Ambassadors of your love to this world. That there is no one too far gone. No one too far away. No one on the outside looking in. But that everyone is loved. It's loved by you. And God may we hope, hope, just hold that door open long enough for you to walk through. So give us the strength. Give us the insight. Give us the, just speak to us Holy Spirit at the right time. To do the right thing. Because God on our own we're going to fail. But God, may your love be at work inside of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.